Hey, this is Neil Mackay, your host of a Vietnam podcast. Now, before we get started on this episode, I wanted to share with you about one of my favorite affiliate partners, and that is Fiverr. I've been using Fiverr for years for everything from ordering YouTube thumbnails to keyword research, writing podcast articles, even to Canva designs and thumbnails and more. So whether you're a budding entrepreneur, a podcaster, or anyone in between, Fiverr has got you covered. It really is the go-to platform if you want to find freelancers offering a massive range of services to help you on any project. Maybe you need a stunning new logo or just a short animation, whatever you need, you can find it on Fiverr. What I love the most is how easy Fiverr makes it to connect with talented freelancers from around the world, all at prices that will fit whatever your budget is. Plus, with Fiverr's secure payment system, you can trust that your transactions are safe and secure. No dodgy people you meet on Facebook groups that disappear with your money and never give you what you want. What, that's only happened to me? As an affiliate partner, I will get a small commission if you use the link and at no extra cost to you. As an affiliate partner, I will get a small commission if you click my link and you buy something, all at no extra cost to you. And best of all, you will be directly supporting the making of this podcast that you're listening to for free, but it is not free to make. So why we head over to somewhere that you've probably never been before. It's called the show notes. So whatever app you're listening in, if it's Spotify or Apple Podcasts or anything at all, head to the show notes, click on my special link, and then you can browse thousands of gigs ready to help you with your next project. And now, let's dive into today's episode. Let's go. What did you study? Uh, politics. Right? Yeah, which I chose because I basically didn't know what I wanted to do and I thought I'd pick something relatively open. Yeah. found it quite interesting, which yeah. is a decent starting point, I guess. Uh, and yeah, I kind of didn't, didn't have any idea at all beforehand or even afterwards, to be honest, what I wanted to do. So I thought at least I'm not kind of that too far down one path by following like a vocational thing and then regretting it later. So yeah, um, it was good fun. And then yeah. Kind of didn't do anything to do with politics, so. And then, so, so you did your degree in politics, and then mm. how did you get into football journalism? It seems like the dream job for most football fans. Yeah, it's really lucky, and it's one of those things where obviously there's the stresses that, that come with every job, but you kind of do have to remind yourself it is, it is still a great, a great gig to have. Um, I started doing it after uni, partly because I didn't know what I wanted to do, uh, so I had a lot of free time, started writing articles as a hobby, and kind of gradually just got right place right time I think got some freelance work and I think once once one publication kind of agreed to pay me for something I kind of thought yeah I can kind of not work for free anymore um, and yeah I, I got very fortunate in some ways because the vacancies opened up and people became available that might not have if I'd come at a different time but um, yeah managed to get enough freelance work to kind of sustain it as a as a full-time job because um, a lot of people I think it a lot of people do it as a hobby. Um, so sometimes when I say this is what I do, they assume I kind of just do it as a hobby. But 
You assume I, you're an English teacher. Yeah, also yeah, kind of writes a bit, a bit of blogging. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So who do you support? Uh, Crystal Palace. Oh, that's a pretty good team to support these days. Uh, they've just uh, had a, what a fifth season in the Premier League. Is that right? Yeah, fifth season. Yeah, so about mid-table Premier League club. Um, it's kind of it's a strange one because some fans are a bit frustrated because you kind of there's a bit of a glass ceiling yeah. which is hard to break beyond. But yeah, we did have many years lower than this current position, so I think it's it's nice to enjoy it while it's going to last, which is probably not forever. And what do you think about um, a lot of people put a kind of asterisk towards Manchester City's? Uh, dominance because the money that's pulled in mm. from Abu Dhabi what's your thoughts on that yeah I mean it's a it's definitely questionable I think it's not so much that external money has come in it's kind of the the source of that and the the whole nation state idea that kind of these political figures can bankroll a club and I think it definitely is a sense of unease to the whole thing um I think purely if you can separate it which you probably can't to be fair but as a sporting and football project that they've done everything right really in terms of getting everything right top to bottom at the club appointing the right people in all the right roles off the pitch on the pitch but yeah I think you can't really ignore the, the source of that and some of the questionable practices of the Abu Dhabi and UAE regimes um, it's a difficult one but unfortunately that's the side of football I think that is not kind of going anywhere at the moment it's crazy to see how football has developed because, so you know, I'm a 36, feel like an old man these days, <laughs> but football, is used, football clubs used to be owned by like the community or they mm. used to be owned locally, like they're a local football team, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's part of the community and now they're owned by people in the States, by people in China, yeah. UAE, yeah. Qatar, like these people have no... Well, I guess the community isn't really like what why they're getting involved, right? No, exactly. I think it's it's difficult though because Man City, for example, they have, by all accounts, done a lot for the local community as well. They've invested a lot in kind of the local area, and um, they've got that new training complex. So they would argue they're kind of they're not neglecting that. But mm. yeah, it's definitely a sense of unease. I think Sheikh Mansour, the owner, has only been to one game or something, isn't he? In this ten, eleven years that he's he's been the owner. Um, so yeah, it's definitely something. It's also the fact that clubs now have to appeal to such a global marketplace as well, which you can't kind of uh, separate. I don't think the fact that the players and is the the number one global sport and it really is kind of a a global game, but it's it's so different to to when so even when the Premier League started, which isn't yeah. that one today, just over twenty five years, um, different sport really, isn't it? Yeah, what blows me away is when you see like um, the sponsors on the shirts mm. in like mm. a foreign language, mm. like. A Chinese or yeah. something else and you're like why are they sponsoring this club and then you realise because there might be like a hundred million people yeah. in Indonesia watching yeah. the Premier League whereas in the, in the UK it's only yeah. 75 million of total population But so they're marketing to where people are watching the game yeah, exactly. on TV yeah. not where the game is being played yeah. and that over the last few years I've noticed more and more the advertising and I'm like this is such a global mm. game because these sponsors, it was like Yokohama Tiles were yeah. on the Chelsea. I'd never heard of this brand in my yeah. life. And then I was in Thailand and I saw that brand everywhere. I'm like, oh. Yeah, makes sense now. This is a Thai brand. Mm. Oh, but yeah, everyone in Thailand is watching the Premier yeah. League. Yeah. They're marketing to Thailand and Asia, yeah. not where the game exactly. played. And that, that's yeah. fine, but it's just interesting. But what blew me away was uh, just a few weeks ago or a couple of months ago, I was watching Leicester play somebody. I can't remember mm-hmm. who it was. And up behind the goal, yeah. you see that there's a penalty, yeah, yeah, and it was yeah. beer side, side on. on yeah. I was like, 
wee 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 I took a picture of it I was yeah. like this is not that beer Saigon yeah. sponsoring Leicester so yeah. I googled it sure enough they've got an agreement yeah. to sponsor Leicester and they're yeah. trying to like get beer Saigon's name out there yeah. and market it yeah it's amazing isn't it I think Cardiff as well not beer Saigon but they've got just general tourism slogans visit Vietnam I think really yeah they've got Malaysia uh, a lot of kind of Southeast Asian countries they kind of are promoting their tourism so yeah Vietnam slowly creeping into the the Premier League market yeah so so I'm assuming then you were a big football fan before that and do you get now like do you get sick of it because you have to watch so much of it is it like now I'm taking on too much of this where I'm getting over Uh, it yeah sometimes I think like now that the season is almost over or virtually over, I kind of do feel like, yeah, it's good to have a little break. Um, because, yeah, it does kind of get, especially this week, we've had a lot of dramatic games and you kind of get a bit, it's great, but you need a bit of a, a, bit of a rest, I think. Um, even as a fan, I found that, though, like the summer's good because you build the anticipation and the optimism, uh, which is quickly shattered in Palace and, and Rangers' case a lot of times. <laughs> I'm sure, but... Yeah, I'm a Glasgow Rangers fan. Oh, don't talk about that yeah. too much. Um, so you got into football journalism in Italy. Who were you supporting a team in Italy? Not really, no. I find it quite hard to... I know some people can go to another country and pick it up, but I think... I don't know if you think the same with your club, but it's almost like something which is you don't really choose. It's just kind of a part of you from when you're quite young. Um, so I find it hard to then later in life kind of pick... I do like some teams based on maybe their kit or something stupid like that, but yeah, there's no... I struggle to build up any kind of affinity uh, with any other club. So I'm actually the complete opposite oh, really? to that yeah mm-hmm. and and the reason why so I was brought up a diehard Rangers fan like mm-hmm. I went to my first game at five years old had a season ticket from a young age I travelled all around Europe watching Rangers I nice. went to Holland Germany France never went to Italy um, and that, that was like in my blood like you know literally my whole life revolved around watching Rangers mm-hmm. and loved the club and luckily when I was growing up they were winning nine in a row they were <laughs> yeah. winning trophies left right and centre which is all now controversial because if anyone knows the backstory of Rangers, they were relegated to the bottom league. They were doing financial cheating, not on the field, but they were cheating financially and, and so relegated. And So now the club's been a bit of a mess for a while. But the reason that I turn my back, really, and I have turned my back on Rangers, is because of bigotry mm, okay. and because of sectarianism. Yeah. And I was part of that. And yeah. I am embarrassed now to think about the songs that I sung mm. growing up about killing Catholics about mm. wars that I had no idea that happened about Protestants and Catholics and things like that mm. and it was all just it didn't even it wasn't even real because some of my best friends were, were Celtic fans and Catholics and we'd meet each other up we'd meet up after the games and, yeah. and hang out and yeah. you know, make fun of each other but so it was never like I actually hated Catholics yeah. or I, I wanted to kill anybody but you got so tribal and you go to the games yeah. and so the bigotry and the sectarianism just um Something I didn't realise though how bad it was until I left Scotland, mm. right? And so what happened was, this was a big wake-up call. I was in New York and Celtic were playing Dunfermline in the Scottish Cup final. And I was like, right, well, I'm 3,000 miles from home. I'll go watch Celtic play, you know, and I'm just, I'd been, been in America for a little bit and I knew how friendly Americans were and yeah. how going everyone was. And I was like, oh, this will be awesome. Like, I'll watch this game abroad. And I, got, I had a brand new Rangers top, Rangers away kit. I just had it sent over from my mum. So I had put that on. I went on a forum, this is way before Facebook and things like that, and yeah. said, where can I watch a Celtic game in, in Manhattan? And I can't remember the name of the bar, but I got a recommendation, found this bar, and I was late because I couldn't find it, so I eventually found it. I opened the door about a few inches, 
and the whole bar was <laughs> green and white hoops <laughs> packed right to the yeah. door and this guy just looked me up and down and this is a bad Irish accent but he goes you've got to be fucking kidding me <laughs> looking at my Rangers top yeah. and I was like what the fuck yeah. so, and the, the whole place was just looking at me so I closed the door and I just walked away as fast as I could looking over my shoulder because I really thought like mm. you know mm. something bad was going to happen so I got away and it was fine I went back on this fan forum and I said what happened all these people came back saying, who told you that to go there? That's the most pro-IRA Republican bar in Manhattan. That's a death sentence. Why did they tell you that? And I was like, I was just following the advice. Yeah. And so that made me just so sad because I just had this, I just wanted to go and watch a game and have fun. Mm. Thankfully, now I'm thankful that I was wearing my Rangers top because if I hadn't and I'd just been playing clothes, I might have just walked in all yeah. with a beer yeah. and then just slowly found yeah. out that I'm a Rangers yeah. fan. I also think as well... Part of the reaction was Dunfermline took the lead in that mm-hmm. game after I think it was 26 minutes. And I was about 26 uh, minutes late. Good time. And I literally do think that I walked yeah. in just after yeah. Dunfermline had scored. So it's a double whammy. Yeah, Dunfermline yeah. had just scored. Yeah. And I walk in with a Rangers. You couldn't write score. that, could you? So Celtic ended up winning in the end. But that, that left me a bit um, mm. jaded. And then after that, I left the UK and uh, I never really went back. And so being away, uh, I think... I grew up as a person. I realised yeah. that the things I'd done in the past had been wrong, the things I'd said in the past had been wrong, um, and I didn't want to be part of that, and so that just kind of put me off. So, yeah, I'm a bit of a football whore. Uh, like, I just kind of support whoever's nearest to me or whoever's playing well. I was in Melbourne for a few years, so I like Melbourne Victory. Then I went to New Zealand and um, lived in Wellington, so I followed the Wellington Phoenix, who are part of the Australian A-League. Yeah. And I, have you ever seen the Australian A-League? Not really. Occasional highlights, but no. I can't say I've had the pleasure. Highlights is in quotation marks. Honestly, it's, the quality is so low. If you go on YouTube, you can look up A-League bloopers, and it's more entertaining than the highlights. You just think, how are some of these guys football yeah. players? <laughs> and so A-League standard is so low, and then the Wellington Phoenix are routinely the bottom team okay. in the A-League. <laughs> And so uh, it was always good fun to go and watch, but the stadium's not very good. The stadium, like, the seats are miles away from mm. the pitch, so you almost need, like, binoculars to yeah. watch them, and then standards not very good. But they had, they had a couple of good seasons when I was there, so that was quite entertaining. But then after that, even going back to the Premier League when I was growing up, I like Chelsea when they had, like, Gianfranco Zola and Viali and uh, Tori Andre Flo, and then I like Newcastle. And they had Kevin Keegan as the manager, yeah. and there was Genola and Aspria. Yeah, I think everyone liked them then, didn't they? And they Shearer for a while yeah, as well. That yeah. was that was great then. And then I can't remember. Who, I think I kind of stopped watching football for a while actually because it, because I did kind of get put off with the whole sectarian thing, and I just mm. kind of didn't watch football for quite a few years actually. And then I slowly started getting back into it. So then obviously I followed Leicester when yep. they were on their title run, and that was just like a fairy tale, right? Like you cannot imagine that. Yeah, that it was happened. amazing. Yeah, the way they did it as well, and then. Um, I was in Thailand at the time as oh, well okay. when that was happening, so that was just incredible. Like this Thai-owned team, yeah. and um, their owner obviously had made a big connection with the community yeah, and was, yeah, a, was a another, good owner. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that was amazing in Thailand and seeing the amount of Premier League shirts everywhere. And then when Brendan Rodgers took over at Liverpool, I kind of really started liking Liverpool mm. when they nearly won the title. I really liked Steven Gerrard. I wanted, yeah. wanted him to win it so badly. Yeah. And then they obviously had a good team with Suarez and Sturridge. So now kind of. Um, Liverpool would probably be my okay. team and even teams like Chelsea who I used to like now I'm kind of like yeah yeah, yeah. so it changes with players and circumstances yeah so I just like whoever's playing well yeah. basically yeah. but I just can't get behind Man City yeah just because of the reasons that yeah. we talked about no, earlier yeah. yeah 
they play the best football. Yeah. They've got the best manager. Yeah. And like you say as well, they did it the right way in terms of structure. They, they built the club up properly. They yeah. got all the back back room staff. But I just but the fact that they, the, this oil-rich state have come in with terrible human rights abuses yeah. just makes me hard to like yeah. them. Yeah. And in Manchester United, that's I've never been into Manchester United, but that's a wee bit tribal because Rangers historically have always kind of sided with Chelsea oh, that's okay. been like a, I wasn't aware of that yeah it's yeah, Rangers yeah. and Chelsea I think because they're both kind of like pro-British clubs yeah. and Man United I think have a bit of an Irish following yeah. and Celtic are an Irish yeah, club well yeah. a Scottish club but a big Irish yeah. following so it was always Celtic and Man okay. U and Rangers and Chelsea so thing is with Man U though I do kind of like them <laughs> but I try not to yeah <laughs> I, I never have that problem there they're the club I just always dislike I think, no matter what happens um I was actually a bit worried because I'm a big fan of Maurizio Pochettino, the the Tottenham manager, who was at one point the favourite to be the next Man United manager. So, I thought, well, the sorry, way, Maurizio, I'm going to have to dislike you if you do go there. The way Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's done <laughs> there right now, you yeah. never know. He oh, could yeah, still exactly, be going yeah. there in the yeah. summer. So, how long did it take after your spell in Italy today? Thanks for listening to another episode of 7 Million Bikes, a Saigon podcast. Thank you very much to Lewis Wright for composing our theme tune and helping with editing. And thank you very much to Lee Nguyen for helping with the cover art design that you see on our Facebook page and our website. If you do want to leave us a review, go to Facebook, look for 7 Million Bikes, a Saigon podcast, or you can check us out online at www.7millionbikes.com. I hope you're enjoying listening to the podcast. If you have any suggestions of people in Saigon who you'd like to hear from, like to be interviewed, then just drop me an email at 7millionbikes at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I hope you're enjoying the show. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're like me, you may use your laptop at places where you have to use public Wi-Fi. This opens you up to digital snoopers. It's a massive problem. It can be your internet service provider or you know who, looking at what you do online, or a cyber criminal trying to steal your bank passwords or credit card info, or even a hacker at the next table trying to steal your sensitive data. These days, it is vital that you keep your data safe. NordVPN keeps all of these snoopers away. It makes your internet activity private, protects you from accessing dangerous websites that are fishing for your data, and lets you enjoy your favorite content securely, even while away from home. And it's easy to use, even I could use it. I've actually been using NordVPN for years now here in Vietnam, and I'm excited to be an affiliate partner with them. I've used NordVPN to watch Netflix, BBC, Disney Plus with ease, and I also know that my information and data are safe from prying eyes, whoever they may be. Join now and you'll get 68% off and three months free when you go to my link, nordvpn.com forward slash smb just again for those hard of hearing nordvpn.com forward slash smb the link is also in the show notes i know nobody checks them out but go check that out and you can get the link from wherever you are listening to this podcast as an affiliate partner it also means that i will get a small commission when you sign up but at no extra cost to you so not only will you be getting a great deal through seven million bikes you get a great vpn and you'll be supporting seven million bikes podcast stay safe online and enjoy the shows you love 
Any questions, just let me know. You know how to get in touch with me. And thanks for listening to the show. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>